I'd like to invite you to be seated, and I'd also like to invite the uh, fifth grade and under students if they'd like to head to the co room. Uh, all out there together today uh, as you head out to your classrooms. The parents, that's where we'll be uh, at the end of our service here today. Uh, welcome, and uh, thank you for investing part of your holiday weekend with each other and worship the Lord through song and, and through scripture and through prayer and being together. Uh, it's been a great experience for you. As a church, we strive to help people discover and experience the life changing love of Christ. And it's our desire and our prayer that today we will experience his presence and that everyone here today will know that the love of Christ is available to them but not already existing for you. And you just have to live that out in your life. I'm excited today because we kick off our new series today uh, titled Wisdom from a Pro. Uh, we're going to be going through the book of Proverbs and uh, we're going to look at what the Bible has to say uh, about wisdom, its importance. And what we do with such things as anger and pride and conflict and laziness as well as as how we need direction in our life, and how we need honesty in our life, how we need to feed our soul and use the wisdom that is available to us. And so to kick off this, uh, this series, and to kick off this morning, we need a little audience participation. Uh, you have to talk to your neighbors, and so if you're on the wing and want to move to the middle, you're welcome to do that. If you don't want to, you don't have to. Uh, but here's what I want you to do. I want you to um, think about the answer to this question. If you could have any superpower, what superpower would you have? All right? You can have any superpower. What superpower would it be? It could be flight or strength or speed or invisibility, you know, laser eyes, right? Uh, telepathy, you could have uh, telekinesis, and all these should be on the screen. They are on the screen. There, there they are, see? Uh, controlling elements, um, invisibility, and different things, right? There's, there's more than that, right? So if you could have any superpower, what would it be? So you have to talk to your neighbors. The introverts hate this part, but go. Just actually swim. I didn't have the special ability to swim. I would have to say 
that if I had to choose one of these, I would want it to be flight. How many people would join me in saying you want to be able to fly? I think that that, that just covers a bunch of them, right? I mean, it just takes care of a lot of things. Um, you you couldn't you wouldn't have to wait on traffic anymore, right? You could just go where you want to be. You could get away from people. You'd have to back up and take you're like, Woo! right? Just gone, right? But I think it would be so so great to be able to fly. Over the years, there have been a handful of people that decided they wanted to fly as well. But instead of following uh, traditional modes of transportation to fly, you know, the Wright brothers created that for us, they decided that they wanted to go flying with the help of balloons. But they didn't use, you know, hot air balloons, so I guess that's too much work. Instead, what they wanted to use instead were weather balloons, right? And, and many people have tried to do this over the years, but a few of them have, have kind of been uh, successful, and, and they're successful, and, and you wonder how wise it was for them to make this decision. Um, Daniel Bora tried in 2015, John Barbera in 2013, Jonathan Trapp in 2010, Ken, Ken Couch in 2007. In 2001, Mike Howard and Steve Davis tried this flight together, but before these guys, the first guy I ever heard about that did this and really had their idea take flight. Okay, good. Uh, there was a California man by the name of Larry Lawn Chair Walters. Okay? Larry really wanted to fly. It was his dream to fly. He even joined the Air Force to fly planes. But he was denied because of his poor eyesight. But that did not stop him from pursuing his dream. In 1982, Larry spent $4,000 and purchased 45 weather balloons from an Army Navy store and tethered them to what he referred to as his extremely comfortable Sears lawn chair. Then, equipped with a pellet gun, I love what he took, a pellet gun, some sandwiches, and a bottle of Miller Lite. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up, right? He tethered, uh, he, he, he cut ties from his anchor, and he expected to fly above his uh, his backyard about 30 feet or so and spent a few lazy hours back there. Instead, Walters rocketed to nearly 16,000 feet, started his airline pilots, and after being up there for a while, he decided it was time to come down, okay? So he finally decided to shoot a few of the balloons with his pellet gun, at least he was half in advance, and on his way down, he landed in power lines, blocking out most of Long Beach for about 20 minutes. Once safely on the ground, he was then promptly arrested by the L.A. Right? When a reporter asked Walters why he did it, the handcuffed lawn chair balloonist deadpan, a man can't just sit around. Right? And I love his quote, a man can't just sit around, right? Which is true, but I'm not sure what Larry did to not just sit around was a very good idea. It wasn't very wise. And I would suggest that each one of us at some point, in various ways, we're a little bit like Larry. We do, at times, things in our own life that just aren't very wise. I want to invite you to, to grab your Bible or use the app on your phone or, or whatever and turn to Proverbs, the book of Proverbs. Uh, you can reach for a blue Bible there in front of you and turn to the book of Proverbs. It's right after Psalms. Psalms is relatively easy to find there in the Old Testament, and, and Proverbs is right after. Proverbs is packed full of wisdom. There are so many nuggets of truth in this book for us to consider and to wrestle with. One pastor that I was reading, he called Proverbs tweets for the soul. And I kind of like that, right? There's some tweetable, great tweetable uh, verses in the scripture. Things like uh, Proverbs 10, 19, the more talk, the less truth. The wise measure their words. Like a gold ring and a big snout is a beautiful face on an empty head. 
Yeah, that, that's in there. You just got to read the find it there in Proverbs 11. Proverbs 19, better to be poor and honest than a rich person no one can trust. My favorite uh, verse in Proverbs is chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your pastor. Proverbs is one of those books that as you read through it, you notice this reoccurring theme that takes place. It begins to reveal itself from the very beginning. So that's where we're going to start. Proverbs chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read the first six verses together this morning. It says, The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction, for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction and prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and direction to the young. Let the wise listen and act to learning, and let the discerning get guidance. For understanding Proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 says, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. In chapter 2, if you were to read all of chapter 2, you would find five different times it talks about how you can gain wisdom by reading the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 3, blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. Proverbs 4, verse 5, get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget my words or turn away from them. Time and time and time and time again in this book, it says no matter what you do, no matter the cost, the most important thing for you to do is get wisdom, right? It says you need to get wisdom. And the question we are faced with is why? Why should we it was why should we put so much emphasis? Why should we give up so much to obtain wisdom? How many of you would call yourself sports fans out there? Raise up your hand, raise the crowd. So if I say trust the process, what, what am I talking about? The 76ers, right? The Philadelphia 76ers have been the worst team in the NBA for the past ever, right? Um, and they've been doing it on purpose. And they've had this phrase, trust the process. Well, just a couple of weeks ago, they took the number three overall pick in the NBA draft. And they traded it. And they, they moved up in the draft. They gave the third third round pick and two future first round picks to move up to number one to take Markel Fultz. Why? Because they believe that Markel Fultz is the answer to their process, right? It's part of the process. They believe that he was worth it. And the same needs to be true for us when we think about wisdom. We need to, to decide that wisdom is worth it, that it is the most important thing. And because of that, we must be willing to give up a few things in order to obtain it. And the reason this is important is because each day of our life, we are faced with making a variety of different decisions. We are making choices all the time. And often, those choices are not between what is right and what is wrong, not what's good or evil. Instead, we're oftentimes forced to make a decision and make a choice between two really good things. And there are often there, there's multiple choices, right? And they can all be good. And so we're left with the question, what's the wise thing to do? What's the wise thing to choose? Uh, Andy Stanley says that in these instances, we should ask three questions. In light of my past experiences, in light of my current circumstances, in light of my future hopes and dreams, what's the wise thing to do? And to let that be our filter through which we start to process how we make these decisions. On a daily basis, you know, we make these types of decisions. For instance, when you're going to have your next meal, should you have a salad 
Should you have pizza? Should you have grilled chicken? Should you maybe have tacos? Those are all fine options, right? What's wise? Well, I don't know for you. What's the wise thing to do? Should you spend your evening watching a movie or reading a book or hanging out with friends, completing a project, getting some work done for home, play games with the kids? What's the wise choice? Should you send your child to a public school or send them to a private school in the fall? What's the wise choice? Should you take a vacation or plan a staycation? What's the wise thing to do? Should you buy a place to live? Should you rent a place to live? What's, what's the wise thing to do? Because those options can be good for you at different times, right? And what's amazing about wisdom is it moves beyond just what's right and wrong. It goes beyond what's good, and it helps us to focus on what's best based on the realities of life. And that's why Proverbs says, you know, you need to do whatever it takes to obtain wisdom. And I want to suggest there are two different places in which we could seek and find wisdom in our lives. The first place that I want to suggest is in the Bible. And you may be going, great, great, thanks. Really appreciate that. We're at church, you're a pastor, what else are you going to tell us, right? And it's true because it's true, all right? Um, when we are... are have the Bible, the Bible contains wisdom, but there's something that's striking when it comes to the Bible and this topic of wisdom. What makes someone wise is not simply reading the Bible, but wisdom is found when we take the words of Scripture and we begin applying them to our life. When we allow the Word to take on flesh and dwell within us. When we take the Scriptures and we no longer read it like a textbook or a history book or whatever, instead we allow it to impact our very soul, to separate bone and marrow until we allow it to, begin to transform our lives in a very real and practical way. And that won't happen if we just listen to it or if we just read it. But we need to be obedient to it. We need to do what it says. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, uh, beginning in verse 24, and I want to read it from the message version. You can follow along uh, on the screen behind me. Uh, I'm not sure Jesus said this exactly, but it's kind of what he said. He said, these words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work these words into your life, you are like a smart partner who built his house on solid ground. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed on the rock. But if you just use my words in the Bible, in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you're like a stupid partner who built his house on the sandy beach. When the storm rolled in and the wave came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They'd never had a teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to the religious teaching. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. Jesus is saying that the wisdom is available in the scriptures, but you must obey it. You must build your life on it if you're going to benefit from it. It's not just enough to have wisdom laying around. It's not enough to have wisdom on your phone or on your tablet. You have to use it. You have to apply it. It's going to make a difference in your life. I, I illustrate it this way. Uh, anyone out there ever buy anything from Ikea? Go ahead. That's all right. So, we needed shelving for our, our house. Uh, homeschooling our kids have a lot of books, so we needed somewhere to put them, and so we needed some shelves, and so we you know, did some, Michelle, uh, we, you know, Michelle did the searching on the, on the internet, found some that we could afford at Ikea. So we make the trip down to Philly, we load them up, we bring home the boxes, I unload it uh, into the, the middle of the room, and I open up the box only to discover 
thousands of pieces, right? And you're like, oh. But I have to tell you, I, I was excited about that because those kind of projects I really enjoy doing, right? It's like accomplishing stuff. So I, I open everything out and I lay everything out around me, right? I have it all organized. Uh, I'm ready to go. And I, I grab the first piece that makes sense to me and I start putting it together. And I quickly realized something. And even though I hate to admit it, I quickly realized that what I needed was to go back in the box and find the instructions and the directions, right? Because it was not as easy as I first thought it was going to be. It, it was a little more complicated. And can I tell you that I believe the reason the scriptures are important to our lives is because they provide us with direction and instruction on how to be wise. Now, again, not in this textbook knowledge sort of way, but in a life-transforming sort of way. You see, here's the thing. I think you can seek to arrange your life and organize your life and have it all around you and trust in your own wisdom. You can have a marriage and friendships and, and you can raise kids and have a career and live your life on your own wisdom because people do it all of the time. But if you choose to do that, I think we fail to really understand the complexity of life. And oftentimes what happens, and, and in my profession, I, I see it happen often, is in life and in marriage and in family and in career, People come to me and their, their life is laid around them in pieces. And they've done their best to organize it, but it's still just a bunch of pieces. And what they really are trying to figure out is how to put it back together. What they need is wisdom. And I would suggest that if we were to tune into his word, that God would reveal to us what he wants us to learn. That he would, he would be showing us wisdom for our lives. And if you think about it, we really don't have any excuse as to why we don't read the scriptures. I mean, if you have a smartphone and you can download an app, you can have a version Bible app, which has the Bible in almost every language you could ever dream of, with study tools and different versions. Find one you like that makes sense to you and speaks to you. You can read it. If you don't own a Bible, you don't have to, but if you want to, you can get one any size, any color, any shape, any whatever, and Amazon Prime can have it on your doorstep before you get home today. Right? We have no excuse, but it doesn't do us any good if we just have them laying around. We have to read it. We have to hear it. We have to apply it. We must obey it. We need to do what it says. I believe that wisdom is found in the scriptures. I also believe that wisdom is experienced in community. Proverbs tells us time and time again that if you try to do this life on your own, you're going to be foolish. If you don't ask for advice or the counsel or the help of others, it is foolish. When I was putting those shelves together at my house, I was trying to do it on my own, and I quickly realized that when reading the instructions, you can't really do those on your own. So I had someone else come in the room, and they began helping me, finding the right pieces, and holding the other end while I was doing it. And I wasn't the only one reading the instructions, they were reading it as well. And together, it began to make sense. And we were able to accomplish more in a shorter period of time, and was better, because that's the way things go. In order to be wise, we have to do this together. Wise people seek out directions and advice, and they do that in community. Proverbs 12, 15 says, The way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. A wise person seeks out advisors and then actually listens to what they say. And here's the thing, and it's something else I see quite often. People know that they need help, and when they finally acknowledge the fact that they need help, in making a decision, they will they will ask for help. They ask for counsel. And they ask their friends. 
And then they post it on Facebook. And then they might call their parents, they start talking to co-workers, they find books and magazines, they search the internet, where even Whitney Howe will tell you what you need to do to be wise. You can just skip all of this, right? Sometimes people even call their pastor and want to have a discussion. And what I see, and I love the way Pastor Clark says this, he says, people are seeking advice until they find the advice they seek. <laughs> and that's just not why. Because if you look long enough, you're going to find someone who agrees with you. You may even find a group of people. You may even find a group of people with experts who will agree with you. But that doesn't necessarily make it wise. One author defined wisdom as the ability to seek and surrender to advice, even when it's not the advice you receive. And I don't know if this has happened to you, but this, this has happened to me. I received the advice of believers, of trustworthy people, people who have a vested interest in my well-being. And in all my wisdom, I take what they say, and I ignore it because it's not what I wanted to hear. It's not what I wanted to do. And according to the scriptures, that's the very definition of foolish. Because wise people seek out and listen to wise advice. Proverbs 13, 20 says, Walk with the wise and become wiser. A companion of fools suffers harm. The message version says it this way. Become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools, and watch your life fall to pieces. One of the things that we say often, because we believe that here at PCC, is that we were not made to go through this life on our own. We were made to do this together. We were created for community, to walk through life together. The book, the book of Proverbs tells us that who we choose to walk through this life with dramatically affects our level of wisdom. And you know this is true. Parents, you've either heard this or said this. Bad company corrupts good character. Right? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Right? Don't, we, we say those, those same. We say those things. Why? Because we know that they're true. When I was uh, first uh, going to college, I was uh, studying communications. And I had dreams of replacing Peter Jennings on ABC World Right? That's, that was the goal. Right? That and baseball. You can do both those things at the same time. Um, but when I started uh, really getting into classes and I was spending time with my department heads, I discovered they, they really had, had a history of broken relationships and major life struggles. They hated their life. When I began spending time with the seniors and the grad students in that department, I discovered that I had different values and different convictions and different ideas than they did. Obviously, it wasn't everyone in the, in the department, and not everyone in that you know, line of business is that way. But, but that was the situation I was in. Thankfully, I'd received enough life's counsel over the years to realize that I did not want to travel down the next four years of my life with that group of people in that environment. I didn't want the things that those people were offering, the things that those people had in their life. And here's my point. Each and every one of us, we are deeply affected by who we choose to walk through this life with. Bill Hybels said, when you walk with wise people almost by osmosis, their wisdom will seep into your life. Their judgments will become your judgments. Their values will shape your values. Their convictions will form your convictions. When you walk with wise people, they influence you. And the opposite is true as well. Become wise by walking with the wise. Hang out with fools. Watch your life fall to pieces. And here's the thing. Both wisdom and foolishness, those can be experienced in community, right? We see that happen. We see that played out. 
and the type of person you become is largely impacted by the people you hang out with. And, and I know the pushback on this is that everyone has a story that is the exception to the rule, the story of someone who overcame amazing odds to rise out of their surroundings and their circumstances, to come out of that, that with, as a different person, and they change the narrative of their life. And those stories are amazing and inspiring. And the reason they're amazing and inspiring is because they don't happen that often. More often than not, this principle rings true. Wisdom is experienced in community. Foolishness is experienced in community. And so if we want to be wise, and if we want to seek wisdom, it's available not only in the scriptures, but it's experienced together with each other. And because of those two statements, here's what I want to challenge all of us here today with. And not only today, this week, but through the remainder of our summer series of Wisdom from the Pro. I want to invite all of us to combine those principles. And, and as simple as this may sound, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to read the Bible. Shocking, right? I'm going to ask you to read the Bible, and I'm going to ask us all to do it together. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, here's the point. It doesn't matter if you've been a believer all your life or if this is your first time here and you're just not sure about this whole God thing. You could you know, be at BCC for 20 years or maybe today's your first Sunday. This applies to all of us. Conveniently enough, uh, if you were to, to flip to the end of the book of Proverbs, you would find that Proverbs has 31 chapters. July has 31 days. Smart people, let's see where we're going with this. If you read one chapter a day, then at the end of the month, we will have read the book of Proverbs together. It's really simple. You've probably heard me talk about this before. I've gone through various seasons of my life where I'm reading the proverb of the day. It's as simple as reading the proverb that agrees with the date that's on the calendar. Rocket science, right? So today is the second. You would read chapter 2. Wednesday the 5th, you would read chapter 5. Smart people. So what happens if you get busy on the 11th and you don't read on the 11th? What do you do? Well, on the 12th, you read chapter 12. Just read chapter 12, all right? Don't stress out about, oh, I missed two days. Because what happens if we miss a day, we feel like we don't have time to make it up, what do we do? We just don't, right? Read the chapter that corresponds with the date on the calendar. And then there's one more thing that, that, I, that I want you to do. Um, get back to my notes here. Um, before I talk about that, so if we're doing this together, we're doing this in community, so to speak, because we're all doing the same thing together. When you show up next week, you can talk about these things. And you can see someone who wasn't here today, and you see them next week, and you know what you can say to them? Hey, I'm one week wiser than you are. Right? <laughs> okay, maybe you don't want to say that to me. That's not the wise thing to do. But um, you can share with them the plan. You can invite people this week to, you know, in your 4th of July celebrations and with your family and friends and neighbors and coworkers, whatever. You can say, hey, you want to do this? It's this dumb thing that my pastor's asking us to do. Let's do this together. If you'll, if you'll help me, maybe it'll be good. If you'll do it with me, then I'll do it, right? And we, we invite people to go through this with us, and we do it together. Some of you are social media, uh, on social media. This is the part that where we can really start to bridge the gap together in a matter of speaking. If, uh, if you're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or maybe the other things, but that's all I have in my little world, right? That's all I have. Um, we want, what we want to encourage you to do is to use the hashtag PCC Wisdom. 
And what that allows you to do is to track other people and let other people track you and we can kind of go through this together. Um, for example, my tweet tomorrow might read, uh, it's 7-3, Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6 have impacted my life. Who's easy with me? Okay? It's as simple as that. Right? On the, the 19th, um, 7-19 equals Proverbs 19, better to be poor and blameless than a perverse fool. Hashtag UCC with Okay? Now, I don't know if you know this. I really kind of learned all this this past week. But if you go into your search bar on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook and you type in hashtag UCC wisdom, you, it'll give you the populate the list of everyone who's used that hashtag. Thankfully for us, no one else has used that hashtag. So, so far there's one. My tweet from this morning and my Facebook post from this morning, right? And so you can go on there and you can, you can share that. And in that way, we're doing it together. It's summer. I realize the fact that we're going a hundred different directions. And all of you who are here today may or may not be here next week, and there'll be, you know, 120 more people to replace you next week, right? Because that's the way this, this works. And so we want to encourage you to do that and then to track it and to just post what is happening, what, how it's speaking to you, how the scriptures are talking to you. It's a good experiment for us to do over the summer. And it's a way for us to read the scriptures to have accountability and to do it together in a fun, different way. So we're just going to invite you and challenge you to do that so that we can begin to apply this wisdom, not only our own, but the wisdom of other people in our life, each and every day. There are things that's very important that we do together. Spending time together, reading scripture together, praying for each other, reflecting on what Christ has done for us. Each week, one of the things we do together is participate in community. It's an important part of, of us recognizing who Christ is and what he has done for us. Today is no different. In just a moment, uh, yes, we're going to pass the trays. We're going to pass trays which contain bread and juice. Because Jesus, he, he stood up and he said, this is my body. And he took bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat of it. He took uh, the cup and he passed it around and told him to drink it. And he said, this is my blood poured out for you. And we have the opportunity to participate and to reflect and to remember. And as we do, we proclaim his death until he comes. And so as they, as they pass the trade, the bread and the juice, we invite you to take of the bread, take of the juice, to reflect on what Jesus has done for us, his sacrifice for us. Celebrate his great and amazing love that he demonstrates for us in our lives so that we can walk with I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. And you partake of communion. Father God, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the love that you, you showed us. You gave us your life. Thank you that we don't have to walk through this hard moment. That we can look to your right and your left. We can see people who are walking down this path. We can look at those who have come before us and know that we all join together in worshiping celebrating you and what you've done. Help us to do that. Love you.